Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Leadership Revealed. I'm John Paul, your host, and thank you for joining me. One of the things I get asked a lot about, especially in my industry, which is the real estate industry or estate agents and letting agents, is what are the elements of a successful business? What is the difference between a reasonably well-run business and a great business? What is the difference between a medium-sized company and a large company that's winning awards, has that really good culture in it, and is attracts the best talent? So it's one word, and I think that word is structure. In any form of um, business or life in general, when we have structure in our business, we tend to achieve more because we know what's expected of us, we know where we have to aim for, and everybody knows their little part in the grand scheme of things. So what I've done in letting industry and estate agency industry is I've devised my own agency blueprint or agency roadmap. Now, the the great thing about this is this will work in any industry. So there's nine elements to it, and every single element or every single part of it, you can pick up out of the state agency industry, and you can put it in the fitness industry. You can put it in automotive industry. You can put it in telecommunications, petroleum. Whatever the industry is, these elements will work 100% in everything. And I know that because I have several businesses. Some of them, majority of them are in the estate agency world, but there are some in the other world. You know, I've got one in the training space. I've got one in the consultancy space. And some of our clients and mentees are not just estate agents or letting agents. They have other businesses in, in the fitness industry, etc., etc. So we teach these elements, or I teach these elements, and I talk about them a lot, and they work in any single industry. So the first element I want to talk about is the customer-defining documents. Now, what are they? Now, we talk about there's three documents or there's three elements in that custom-defined documents that you have to have in your business. And I'll go through the reasons in a second. But they are your values and belief statement, your mission statement, and your customer service charter. Now, these are imperative to any business. If you don't have your values and beliefs or your mission statement or your customer service charter, you are literally trying to succeed with both feet and both hands tied behind your back. It's going to be impossible. Now, the reason for that is if you have your values and beliefs, you recruit off them, which is another element. You can train and development based on your values and beliefs. You can manage based on your customer service charter. So there's a lot, and you can even lead based on your customer service charter and your values and beliefs. So there's a lot of the other elements of the agency roadmap that sort of emanate from your values and beliefs. So that is the thing that we must, must, must have as the first part of this agency roadmap. And that is non-negotiable. I do appreciate that values and beliefs, etc., they are looked upon as a bit American, a bit wishy-washy. The feelings are intangible. So how are they important to a business? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. They have never, ever transformed a business so much as ours until we implemented them. We were absolutely staggered and blown away at how important they are to our business. We recruit on them now. If we find somebody has not got the same values and beliefs as us, then we don't even recruit them. If somebody all of a sudden doesn't have the same values and beliefs as us, because it does happen, 
Not everybody shares them on day one when they come to work for you. But what we do see is our values are this. You have to be perfectly aligned and in tune with them. If you can do that, then there's a job here for you. As soon as we find out that you don't behave with our values and beliefs in mind, then that's when we need to part ways and we'll, we'll performance manage you out of the business. So values and beliefs is how you want your company to be run. It's what is important to you and the staff, what is important to the company, but obviously a company's not a living, breathing person, so it's got to come from you, it's got to come from the business owner. And values and beliefs are integral to any part of the business and how you want to be remembered. It's how you want to run an organisation, and it's effectively it's, it's what you want to be known for. So again, a bit of a, a morbid thought, you know, at the end of your life, everybody's crowding around, it's your funeral, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want everybody to say, yep, John was a, you know, he was a pain in the arse, or this, or, or do you want to say, do you know what, he was honest, if he said it, his word was his bond, um, he cared for the community, he did whatever, whatever, whatever. So your values are how you want to be remembered, and also how you feel, what is true to you. Your mission statement is simple, it's the end game for your business. What are you trying to achieve and trying to keep everybody on the right path to achieve? What I mean by that is, do you want to be the best agent in your town, your area, the UK, whatever it is? So you can pick and choose whatever it is. The one thing with the mission statement is, a bit like the old Dirty Dozen films or a bit like the old war films is when they had to go capture the, the castle or bring back the German general, is a mission fails or it's a success. You have to have a mission statement that is tangible. You can tell when you've failed it or you can tell if you've succeeded in your mission. So ours was at one point to be the best letting agent in the UK. And according to our sort of KPIs and metrics, when we won the Sunday Times Letting Agency of the Year back in 2014, best in the UK, we achieved that. So we've achieved our mission. It was time to have another mission. We At, this, at around about the same time, we started doing sales and we totally appreciated, understood, and we, we, we had quite a, an element of emotional intelligence to understand that we were never going to be the best state agent in the, in the UK in such a short space of time. So what we decided to do is we wanted to be the best letting agent and estate agent in the northeast of England. So that was our new mission. Not quite as big, hairy, audacious goal, as, as Jim Collins says, as, as the original one, which is the best in the UK, but we were very reasonable about that and we could see that we were never going to achieve best estate agent and letting agent. Um, so we sort of narrowed it down a little bit. Still a pretty heavy, hefty goal. We just sort of made it more realistic. And the last document in the customer defining documents um, module is the customer service chart. So this is essential for giving superior customer service. And all it is, is it's a list of promises. So you can have one, Three, five, seven, six, fifty-five, thousand, it makes no difference. We've got five, by the way, that when followed will give you superior customer service. So whatever it is, it could be we will always make you feel welcomed. We will um, always put you first, whatever it is. Now behind that, you have several other what I would class as sub-promises that once achieved, once you've achieved those sub-promises, would give you the um the higher promise that make you feel welcome. Um, so it's incredibly important that you, you look at these in, a, in the right format. You try and get your customer service promises and you break those promises down that if you if you achieve them, then you will have achieved um, those main, main problems. So if I'll give you a good example. So one of our problem, one of the, our promises were was 
we will always make you feel welcome. So that's great. That's fantastic. People want to feel welcome. So how would you do that? We would do it by um, three or four things. It would be by establishing the brand. And we would do it by, good morning, welcome to Castle Dean. John speaking, how can I help you? So that was something that we had to say every single time that form was answered. We would also let them know who they're speaking to. John speaking, how can I help? We would also build trust from the start by personalising the phone call. We would take and use their name as early as possible, not overstating it. So again, if you phoned up any um, call centres recently, they're going to say, hi, John, thanks for phoning, John. How can I help you, John? Is that everything, John? Thank you, John. It gets a little bit disingenuous and you know that they're just reading from a script. So it's a case of, hi, Mr. Mr. Paul, um, can I call you, John? Thank you very much. So, John, how can I help you today? And then, boom, that's it. You're only using it once or twice. Um, behaviour breeds behaviour. Again, this is something that we've implemented in our business by smiling on the phone or face-to-face. You know, the customer will know if they feel welcome. They'll know if you're making a genuine effort. Um, and make sure your, your attitude is contagious to so make sure it's worth catching. So if we achieve all those three things, as in establish the brand, build trust from the start, behaviour breed, breeds behaviour, then we will have achieved our single promise of we will always make you feel welcome. So that's what the customer service charter is. And again, we've got five of those promises and they're broken down into sub-promises. And if we achieve those sub-promises, then the main promise will be achieved. And again, from a, a management point of view, which is another one of the modules, which I'll, I'll talk about in a second, it's very, very easy to manage people on a conversation. It's very easy to say, you didn't achieve the customer service charter because you didn't attain those promises. So what we need to do is put you through additional training, smile when you're speaking to somebody on the phone or face-to-face. Did you use their name? No, you didn't. It's very easy to sort of manage and improve or performance manage, if necessary, people based on, on that. Second module, recruitment. Pretty much the bane of every business owner's life, especially in the estate agency game. You know, the state agency game has got a very transient um, sort of staff or employees, if you like, and they do tend to, to go from business to business, from corporates to independents, independents to corporates to the onlines, back to call centres, back to independents, back to corporates. They pretty much go all over. Um, we're very, very lucky that we do tend to have quite a settled team. Um, we've always got probably about 90% or 85% that are core, and then we've got the 10 15% that turn over. And that's fine. That's pretty much expected once you get once you get past 20, 30, 40 employees or, or 50, 50 odd that, that, that we've got. So we all know that business is only as good as its staff. So we need to ensure that we recruit and retain the right people as quick as, as possible. In short, we need the right bums on the right seats. But how do you do that? How do you go about recruiting? Um, when I tell you that 99% of businesses recruit wrong, you will be surprised. But then again, when I explain it, you might not be. People recruit based on capability and competency. Basically, they recruit on the CV. So if somebody's got 50 years experience, they've pretty much got the job in most industries, especially, as I said, in our industry. For us, we will recruit on values and beliefs. And that's completely different. And that turns the whole recruitment process on its head. The reason we do that is because we want to work with people who have the same values as us because we believe we will get more out of them. They will have effectively walk over broken glass, crawl over hot coals to achieve the same vision and to achieve the goals that we want them to achieve. If people are just motivated by money or they're using us as a stepping stone 
to get to a better job role, then they'll be here today, gone tomorrow. And we don't want that. So we recruit people because we've got a pretty decent training and development uh, process in our business. We believe that we can recruit we can recruit and train pretty much anybody. Once we recruit and train pretty much anybody, we can mould them, train them, develop them into our type of employee, the Castledean, the Hegarty's Gordon Land, whatever brand we own, we can recruit them to be the person that we want them to be. If we pick people just solely on capability and competency and they don't share the same values, the first sign of the going gets tough or another company comes in and offers them a couple of quid more, they will be out that door like a shop. And that leaves disruption, it, it leaves problems, issues, trouble in your business and it, more importantly, leaves a gap in your business and we don't want that. A good example I use when I'm, I'm talking to people is Jordan Belfort, who's the Wolf of Wall Street. Absolutely fantastic what he did. He made a lot of money. He made a lot of mistakes and he stole a lot of money. Would you invest every single penny that you and your family had with him? Hopefully, the answer is no. Um, and that is because although he was very good at what he did, he had different value set to what I'm hoping that most of you had. So again, that just shows and hopefully it gives you an illustration of the, the difference between capability and competency and values and beliefs. You always want to recruit people on values and beliefs. I'll be doing a podcast solely on recruitment um, in the next couple of episodes and we'll talk about how you identify people on the values and beliefs and what tips and tricks you can do to try and minimise getting a bad hire. Next one is systems and processes. That's module number three. Everybody knows I'm a systems geek and I love procedures, but it's really one of the main reasons why we have grown our business to where it is today. And it is purely, purely, I was initially down to our systems. We're very, very well known for it. We had systems on, on pretty much everything and we laugh and joke, but we even had a procedure on how to write a procedure. Now, joking aside, there is a specific reason for that. And that was, I didn't want to be in the business. In one of the, the first podcasts I did, the very first episode, we spoke about the difference between business and being self-employed. Self-employed is if you go away for three months on a desert island with no contact to work and no emails, no phone, or no nothing, and you come back and nothing's been done or, or, or hell broke loose, you're self-employed. I didn't want that. I wanted a business that ran and operated without me. By having systems, by having processes and, and, and procedures, it can run without us and I've got a brilliant MD, I've got a great management team and they just run that place without me. I don't have to get involved. Now, the reason I'm completely at ease with handing over the running of my baby in inverted commas to somebody else is because we're very, very much aligned with our value. So I know that when Adele, my MD, makes a decision, in fact, I can categorically say she has never made a recruitment or, or performance managed somebody or a major decision in the business where I've disagreed. Never. And we've worked together for seven years. So that just tells you that when people's values are aligned, then it can be a really, really good thing and you can totally, completely trust somebody. If she comes in and tells me we need to do this, this and this, I know she's right. Yes, I'll go through the motions of checking the due diligence and go through the business plan or the, the business case, but not once have I ever, ever disagreed because our values and the way we think and the way what is what we value are absolutely aligned and on the same wavelength. Fourth module is training development. Um, once we've got the best staff and once you've recruited the best staff and you've used the questions and the interview techniques, then you need to be able to motivate them and give them bespoke training and development um, to make sure that you're going to get the best out of them. One of the issues that people have is that, or especially employees, is they start on the Monday 
and then you don't speak to them for a week and you come back and you say, great, can you do your job now? Or you say, right, there's the operations manual, I'll see you in a month um, and then we'll, we'll let you loose. That is, it's one of the worst ways you can train and develop stuff. And it's so, so demotivating. Again, one of the things I hate, and I know the corporates do this, is when they say, right, it's it's XYZ training on Tuesday, one, two, three training on Wednesday, and we're going to have ABC training um, the following week. Absolutely waste of time because if you're very good at a certain type of training, but then again, you've got to go into that training, it's demotivating for you. What happens if you haven't even had the basic training and you're going to quite a high level um, version of that training? You're not gonna you're not gonna pick anything up. Every single person's training plan needs to be individualized and it needs to be specific and bespoke for them. Not only will you get more out of them, they will learn and retain more information, they'll be more bloody motivated to do better for you. Another thing with training development is make sure that the learning styles of that individual are catered for. So you've got the various types of learning, kinesthetic, which is the doing, you know, the picking things up, the the physical, the role playing. You've got the auditory, which is just listening, and you've got the, the visual, which is reading or YouTube videos or, or a mixture of all between, everything in between. I'm very good at auditory type learning. So believe it or not, podcasts, I listen to a couple. I've got some real, real good favorites. I don't listen to as many podcasts as I do reading. And I don't like Kindles. I like picking up a book and I like, you know, the physicality of reading it and, you know, don't think I'm weird, but spelling the pages. I think we all do that. It's not just me. Um, that's the type of learning I like. And I'm very, very much like the type of role play learning. Like, can you go through that again and give me real life situations and what happens if this and what happens if I said that and you said this, so I'll say that. That's what gets the best out of me and that's what helps me retain the information more. So when you come to training development, remember, you can't help how you learn, but you can help how you teach. So if you're just saying, there's the manual, I'll see you later in a week, it's not that person's fault. They haven't failed the business. You and the business have failed them. Understand how people learn, understand the methods of coaching and teaching people and you'll get a lot more out of the people and it'll make you a better leader and a better business person. Management is the uh, the next module and in my opinion it is the weakest part of most SMEs, small and medium enterprises. It is the lack of management. Business owners are either far too soft and want to give everybody the world or they're far too hard on the staff which results in lack of respect. You know, actions don't get done, things get missed, and business gets lost because of the way you talk and speak and act and behave with your staff. And it's all because some very, very basic management skills are missed. Um, don't worry, in future podcasts, we'll go through the, the various things and aspects and how what you need in your business to allow you to get the most and the best out of your staff. But management is a major, major part of business, and it still amazes me to this day why a lot of business owners don't learn and, and try and better themselves at leadership and management. They want to better the staff, but they don't want to better themselves. They, they want to send people on industry and technical competency courses and legislation and legal and, and regulation courses, but they don't want to become better managers. It's all well and good having all that technical knowledge, but if your boss is shouting at you or your boss isn't giving you the direction and the guidance or managing or leading the business, then, you know, it's going to stand to reason that not everybody's pulling the right direction and you're not going to get the results that you want. KPIs, key performance indicators or key performance information. Um, I love this phrase. It's by the uh, college high school football coach, Vince Lombardi, who says, if you ain't keeping score, then you're only practising. And I love that because um, I absolutely subscribe to that in that if you haven't got KPIs 
or financial management, then you cannot take your business seriously. You might think you are, and I absolutely believe that you believe that you're taking your business serious, but if you don't have set KPIs in your business, then how can you make decisions when staff are performing or they're not performing? How can you performance manage staff to become better or to performance manage them out your business, which will leave a gap in your business so you can recruit based on values and beliefs, remember guys, and you can get better people in your business so that you can push the business forward. Either way, the business wins. When you've got a bad person or a bad apple in your business, it's not just them that you need to worry about. It's the effect that they have on other staff members. So again, in, in all businesses, it's going to vary between operational KPIs and financial KPIs. Financial KPIs, exactly what it is. It's all to do with your profit and loss, how much money you're making or losing, unfortunately. Hopefully none of you are. Uh, but operational, how many actions are being done that lead to um, financial outcome or financial benefit. Financial management is the next module. It's a nice segue into that. And it still, again, massively shocks me that the vast majority of agencies that I've come across, or we speak on the various forums, don't have a decent level of financial management. Um, for absolute clarity, if you do not have monthly management accounts, also known as profit and loss, cash flow forecasts, and up-to-date balance sheet, then you're not doing your business justice. You cannot make a financial-based decision based on lack of finances. So how can you invest in technology, invest in training development of staff, a new office refit, rebrand, whatever it is, if you don't have a handle on the numbers? And by the way, guys, if anybody turns around and says, I check the bank balance, that's all I need, please, please delete this podcast and never listen to me ever again because we will not get on very well if that is what you class as good financial management, checking the bank balance every day to see if you've got money in it. It's a very, very rudimentary way of understanding what at that particular second, how much money you've got in the bank is. But you don't know you've got thousands and thousands of pounds worth of invoices coming in the next couple of days, or you look at your balance sheet to see what your assets are, your liabilities are. You need to have a good handle on it. I'm not asking you to be a qualified, certified accountant, I'm just asking you to understand and know what a P&L is, have access to it, understand what your, your monthly cash flow looks like, and also know what your balance sheet is as well. Know what your assets and liabilities are. Leadership. Like it or not, good, business have, good businesses have leaders, and leadership is vastly underrated. Um, on the very, very first podcast, I explained what my version of leadership is, and it's turning vision and reality using influence to create followers. Um, and we'll also there'll be other podcasts on, on other qualities and we'll, we'll speak to other leaders. We've got some really, really good guests lined up in various sort of industries. So that'll be real fun to sort of interview those guys and find out what their definition, what they think real leadership is. And the last module on the agency roadmap or, or the business blueprint, if you're not in this industry, is prospecting. We call it prospecting in the, in the estate agency world, but it's also known as sales and marketing. Um, so prospecting, without prospecting, your business will not grow, or at least it won't grow fast, not in our game. Um, there's low fees, there's more competition, um, there's, there's online agents. So without going out and hunting for the business, you won't grow um, near as, nowhere near as much as what we used to back in the early days. You know, you've got to take it from your competition. Again, there's a, there's a school of thought that you shouldn't go out there and you shouldn't take that business off, off everybody else. That's one school of thought. There's another school of thought, and that is that the first school of thought is completely wrong. Um, <laughs> you have to go out and you've got to grab it. The way I look at it is if 
Agent A was doing everything right, was given a really good service at a very, very good competitive and valued price, then they've got nothing to worry about. If they're not doing the biz, then they need to worry about it. So again, we have business um, taken off us. Don't mind admitting that. We don't do everything right all the time. We've also got some of our landlords or vendors that are very, very price conscious. They just want the cheapest price. They don't want the best job done. They just want the cheapest. And that'll come back and that'll bite them on the bum. But going out and grabbing business and prospecting for business and sales and marketing is a fundamental aspect of any business. And I bear no bones and I sleep like a baby on a nighttime when people ask me, do you think it's right that you're prospecting business off, off other agents? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you if I'm not poaching yours, then you'll poach mine. So that's not an issue to us and it shouldn't be to you. If you've got a um if you think it's immoral or unethical, again, please drop me uh, drop me an email in my email or my contact details in the show notes. And if you'd just like to explain to me um why you think it's immoral or unethical, then I'll be sure to uh, delete that email and never ever read it again. Only joking. Yes, I'll read it and I will respond, um, but you might not like what I've got to say. So those are the nine uh, sort of modules. They are the nine pillars of the agency roadmap. And I absolutely 100% subscribe to the fact that if you are missing one of them, you're missing two of them, missing three of them, then your business will not get to the level that you want it to get to. All nine are essential. All nine are critical part of any state agency or any letting agency. And again, if you're out of the industry, you're in the fitness industry, the automotive or the, the, the service industry, whatever it is, just take out the word agency and put in your business, the automotive agency blueprint or whatever it is. It will work in any industry across all, all types of businesses. So thanks again for listening, guys, and look forward to seeing and speaking to you all on the next edition of Leadership Revealed.